0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Brown Bag. I'm your host, Michael T. Brown. Hey, follow us on Twitter at mtbrown98 or at our Facebook or LinkedIn page under the name Michael T. Brown. Hey, I have a question for you today. Have you discovered your purpose? Are you operating in your gifting? As we approach this Christmas season, I can't think of a better time to move out on the things that God has placed in your heart and mind. We want to discuss this and much more with our very special guest today. Hey, Mike, I don't know about you, um, but I'm starting to sense a a really positive atmosphere as we move into this Christmas season. What are some
2: of your thoughts uh, as we move into
1: this Christmas season?
2: You know, I'm just happy to, you know have a time, again, with my family, and um, I I love all the things that are going on with the church, too, and the refocus on the reason for the season. So, you know, it's just a great time of year for me, you know? It just seems like it just changes everyone's, you know, concept of life and the importance of the things that, you know, and the people that they love.
1: You know, it's so important that you say that, and I think we've got just the right guests on today, two very special guests. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our first guest for us?
2: Pastor McCoy was released from God to fulfill the mandate to serve the body of Jesus Christ. Her keeping it real, spirited style of illuminating the spoken word of God is life-changing and has empowered the community to seek a personal relationship with God. Inspired by God, Pastor McCoy accepted the call to preach and teach the Word in July of 1995. In August of 2004, Pastor McCoy enrolled in Howard University School of Divinity, and after two years of study, she transferred to the Richmond, Virginia Seminary, where she graduated in May of 2007 with a Master's of Divinity degree. In January 2008, she publicly announced her calling preached in her initial sermon and was licensed by the Mount Zion Baptist Church of Arlington, Virginia. Pastor Joanne
1: McCoy, welcome to the Brown Bag. So glad to have you on this morning.
0: Good morning, Mike. Good to be here. So excited about what God is doing, and I thank you guys for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Pastor McCoy, as we move into this Christmas season, I I wanted to have you and um, Reverend Thomas on, and we're excited to have her on a little bit later in the show. Um, But before we start getting into, you know, some of the things that really pertain to this season, why don't you just give our listeners a good sense of of, of who you are? I know you've had quite a journey that led you into the ministry. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your path into pastoral ministry.
0: Well, you know, Mike, I just I have to say that I gave it all to the Lord Jesus. Uh, with him, he has been my rock and my fortress and he has been the inspiration behind me every step of the way as a child and being, you know, stamped by the history makers of my eras and those that were deep in serving God. It just kind of planted me in the right direction, you know, coming from a Christian home and, and background where my forefathers and grandparents were founders actually planters of some of the early church in the early 1900s here in Northern Virginia. It just was a way of life for us Uh, moving as an adult and facing all the challenges of life. And God knows I've had mine, you know, I've never been alone and he's been with me every step of the way, but I have to tell you, it was my pastor uh, who, you know, guided me through this walk. And, you know, he has been um, instrumental in helping me understand the giftings and all that God places in those that have been set aside for the call of ministry and more specifically pastoring. I think for me there were four challenges that I had to deal with. First was, you know, hearing from God because, you know, we all want to know that we're truly hearing from God and not from man. As something as so as so sacred to be um the shepherd of the sheep that he has entrusted in you and and then struggling with the call to make certain that in fact this is what God is destined for you, and then answering that call to pastoring it just you know there's so many dynamics of it, and you know for me. Um, after going through the steps of hearing and and, and struggling with the decision and answering the call, it was understanding and putting my complete trust in God. You know, oftentimes we look for the validation of man to say that this is what God has said or told you, but I truly believe that when God has set you aside, and called you into this walk of pastoring, I really firmly believe that he will speak to your heart. And as difficult as it may seem for me, it was just nothing that I ever even thought about, quite frankly. And so, you know, yeah. the, the blessings that have unfolded um, as a result of being obedient to God's call in the pastoring has been enlightening for me, um, as challenging as it is um, or as it has been for me, it has really taken me to a level that I could have never imagined. And I'm also thankful because, you know, my pastor, Dr. Leonard and Smith.
1: Big I shout out, under-
0: big shout out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to <laughs> say to him that, you know, when I first sat down with him in 2003, you know, and and, and we talked, it was, his willingness to see the work and the gift that God had within me, which I could not see within my own self. Right. While I knew that there was a call in, I had no clue where I would be today. And so I'm thankful to God, and I honor God uh, and my pastor and my strong husband and family and friends for, you know, covering me in this yeah. walk. And because it, it, it is a unity walk. It's not a walk that you walk alone. And as we have seen uh, over the past several months, you know, with some of the tragedies of pastors, a lot of it is struggling with um, life circumstances and being able to stay, if you will, connected to God to keep you through the walk. Um, I'm a woman. I'm a mother. I'm a wife, a businesswoman, and a grandmother. And so life does not change when you walk into the call of pastoring. It just takes you to a different level. And in going to that different level will come new devils.
2: So therefore, yeah.
0: you have to just stay connected to God, stay linked to those, you know, the sisters and brothers, that pastors and ministers that have been my friends that have sheltered and sheltered me, wiped my tears and continued to pray and continue to push me to the yeah. place that God had set aside so i am i am i'm very thankful for the walk i'm excited about the new things that god is doing with us and my wonderful little church the new zion city of praise church out in clifton <laughs> virginia it's just it's a happy home it's a place of love it's a place where the healing can come and yeah. and receive healing from the lord god and i'm excited about what he's doing there
1: And, you know, we're excited about all you've got going on there as well. I've been there personally, and I've experienced that love firsthand. And, Joanne, I'm so glad that you talked about some of the issues that are facing uh, some of our men and women in clergy. And we certainly know about, you know, some of the recent suicides. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm glad that you talked about that is because, you know, uh, and I'm glad you talked about the need for pastors and ministers to be connected to family and to really, you know, yes, you hear from God on high, but we've got to live here on earth. How about you that? know, So when you talk about the need to be connected to family and, yes, I'm still a mother, underneath the robe, there's a real person there and real issues. What do people need to know about um, those men and women in clergy and the pain and life that you guys experience on a daily basis as well?
0: Let me just say to you that one of the greatest um, bullets that I have learned to love and keep deep down inside of me is the thought that you must live in your own skin. Yeah. And I say that because when we forget that we are humans, that we deal with everyday challenges of life, my husband, like many, is looking forward to a cooked meal when he gets home from working 13, 14 hours a day. Yeah. It is independent of the fact that I have parishioners that will email me, text me, call me all day long with the cares of life that they are faced with. Wow. So it's, it's like, it's like an old school uh, measuring uh, cup, if you will. You've got to measure out and balance out your life that no matter the ups and downs, the highs and lows, that you just must stay on bended knees with God. And particularly as clergy today, we are so busy carrying the weight of the world that we forget that we've got some of our own weights that have to be carried. And that's why it's significant that you stay connected. And, you know, we have to shed all of the masquerades, if you will. We have to shed all of that that keeps us away from connecting to brothers and sisters that are about kingdom building you know and it's not easy because you look at you know my church is quite small and when you look at the larger churches and all the things that are going on you know your mind says well you know i got to do this and i got to do that no you don't what you have to do is what you've been called to do is to serve god first and as servant leaders we sometimes fail to remember that we have to serve our families, that we have to serve our children, that, you know, we have to serve. If you can't serve in the house, how can you serve in the street? So I think that the key is live in your own skin. Remember that while the calling is to minister and to pastor, there is the first calling, which is to your home. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we recognize that in our walk, We will be able to go through the hurdles of life, deal with the struggles of life, but also maintain the place of peace. My pastor used to tell me all the times, and my friends tell me, you know, you have to rest in the peace that God's got you. Mm. And that's where my strength is. It is in that perfect peace and and it's wonderful that you've allowed us to share this season because this is the season of hope. This is a season of peace. And, you know, it's not always what you want it to be, but the good news is is that you're never alone in it.
1: Yeah. No, I believe you're helping a lot of people right now and you're you're really ministering. Pastor Jordan, what would you say to that person who and, and I stated earlier in the show, um, you know, I believe we all have giftings and talents and, and attributes that God has placed in us that he expects a return on his investment on. What would you say to that person, maybe even that young person who for God, but still searching, trying to navigate that purpose. What would you say to that person uh, today?
0: I would say, first, seek the Lord yeah. for clarity. Pray without ceasing, because today we're we're faced with so many challenges of life, and we have so many adverse media's by which. We can share the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a great one, Um, social media, um, the networks and all that they have. But I just believe that you must be able to sit down with the person that God has positioned in your life, who is senior, if you will, your pastor, your mentor, you know, that spiritual um, light within your life that can help you understand and then help you grow into the gift that God has given you, particularly as it pertains to ministry and pastoring. I, I, I told our pastor some years ago when I first got there that he was a surgeon of my soul. It wasn't because he was everything that I needed him to be, but it was because I could go and get a word of truth.
3: Right. And
0: I think you need to find that individual where you can go and get a word of truth and then take that word of truth to the cross, and you and Jesus work it out from there. Because it's going to be a, very, to be a lot of lonely days and a lot of lonely nights. And that's yeah. what it's intended to be when you want to nourish and grow your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Because when it's time for you to walk out there, Mike, understand mm-hmm. you're walking out with the appointment that God has called you to this, and you have to be true to your call. And oftentimes right. it's lonely. Oftentimes it's without friends. You know, I, I didn't have ushers and, and officers and, and, you know, everything in place right. and a church covenant and a church charter and, and all the things that we enjoy from seasoned churches. It was trusting God, kneeling before that altar, you know, to know that, that, that he truly has anointed and called you to, he will fulfill it in his time.
1: And, you know, Pastor McCoy, and I know your good friend, Reverend Thomas, is just chomping at the bit right now. We're going to get her in here in a few, <laughs> few seconds. But uh, I, I'm glad that you actually uh, talked about the need to step out. And, you know, you don't have to have – now, don't get, don't get me wrong. We, have to, we need to always strive to operate in a spirit of excellence. But I'm glad that you said, you know, sometimes you've got to step out with what you have and not necessarily focus so much on what we don't have.
0: Mike, let me just say this to you. I learned it as a child. Little becomes much much. when you place it in the master's hand.
1: Enough said. Enough said. Hey, Mike, why don't you go ahead and um, introduce our next guest, please?
2: Rev. LaTisha, also known as Tish Thomas, is an itinerant elder at the Reed Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church in Glendale, Maryland, under the dynamic leadership of Rev. Dr. Lee P. Washington. At Reed Temple, she currently serves the 15,000-member congregation as an information officer for the ministerial staff, records voiceovers for video-audio ministry announcements, and on Sunday mornings beginning at 1115 a.m., She can be seen on the Reed Temple Live Network broadcast as the host and online minister bridging the gap between the live services in the sanctuary and the hundreds of online worshipers. Appointed to the pastor's membership development team, Reverend Tish serves as one of 12 ministers chosen to develop a curriculum to usher members from mere membership to discipleship. She has found her passion in social justice issues and ministry to women and is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Trained in head and heart, Reverend Tish holds a bachelor from Savannah State University, a master's from American University, and a master's of divinity from Howard University School of Divinity. Reverend Tish is a corporate communications officer for a boutique consulting firm in Washington, D.C., that provides analytical and advisory services on legislative, regulatory, and public policy issues affecting financial service companies in the U.S. and abroad.
1: Pastor Tom, as I know you've been listening in on our conversation, welcome to the Brown Bag.
3: Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm humbled and and just delighted to be with you. And don't know how I will follow Pastor McCoy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to do just fine. I know you guys tag team a lot together, so just act like you're right at home.
3: (laughs) All right, we will do, we will do. Thank
1: you. Now, Reverend Thomas, uh, we're going to bring Joanne back on a little bit later. I want our listeners to get to know a little bit about Reverend Tish Thomas, the person. Tell us a little bit about... um, about yourself and your path towards uh, ministry.
3: Certainly. I am, uh, first of all, a a child of the king. Um, I'm a country girl at heart. I was born and raised in South Carolina. moved to the big city of Washington, D.C. in the mid-90s to go to graduate school, and that was actually when I first encountered um, Pastor McCoy. We had classes together at Howard University uh, School of Divinity and um, accepted my calling to ministry in 2000, and the Lord placed on my heart 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved before God, a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so that was when I, I felt the calling to go to Divinity School at Howard. And my, my um I guess journey has been um quite different probably from Pastor McCoy's. I accepted my calling to ministry. I was a member already at Temple. um I was mom I was a wife I was working a full-time job I started going to graduate school full-time so and in in ministry all at the same time so it was it was quite a bit but a lot of the things that she did talk about I can certainly relate to in terms of putting God first and your family first and letting that be your first ministry Mm -hmm. and so that is certainly what I have tried to do um, and one other big difference with the calling I'm not really sure hers may have gone a little smoother than mine I sort of um, not that I was necessarily running from the call but I wanted to be sure and so um, if you've read Judges the sixth chapter which is the discussion of Gideon and what the Lord was telling and instructing Gideon to do my calling and my accepting of it was much more like that for example I would ask the Lord crazy silly things like if I'm 195 and if I get off the exit, if you are really calling me to preach God and this is really <laughs> what you want me to do, make every traffic light for the next five miles be green, <laughs> you know, like ridiculous stuff like that. And so I can just testify that the Lord um, has proven himself and shown himself and indeed the Lord is kind and and patient in waiting on us and he he realizes that um you know he's made each of us very different and we all have had our own paths and our different callings and it takes But, you know, one person, something totally different than it takes another person to really accept that call. Because I grew up in the church and I grew up in the United Methodist Church and always active in ministry, but never um, in a million years thought that I would ever be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, The Lord always had his hand on me. You know, he allowed me to go to college and wild out a little bit amen, Mm -hmm. if anybody ever had that experience, (laughs) but then to still come back um, into his good graces and then to line up with his will for my life. So it's been um, interesting. As I was uh, preparing for the call, I have a six-year-old who's running around here, and so my my ministry is really about real life (laughs) and um, showing people that it's okay to, to have a lot going on in your life. Indeed, we have a lot going on as women in ministry especially, and we feel like we have to um, serve everyone else. But one thing that I heard Pastor McCoy say is that, you know, service first of all is to um, your family. And so I try to keep the main thing the main thing, you know, God first family and then ministry. And God just continues to bless me in spite of all that I have going on.
1: Yeah, and P- Pastor yeah. Tom- I mean Reverend Thomas, I want you to take this question, then I'm going to ask that um, Pastor McCoy follow up. I want to get into some critical issues that, was, that the church and that people are facing at this time. Um, let me just pick your brain, I, and I'm glad we've got two mm-hmm. different perspectives, a larger church and a smaller church. What are some of the um, issues that ail us, that, that you see? What would you say um, about some of uh, the things that you're noticing that people are dealing mm-hmm. with, and that the church are dealing with
3: i one of the things that I thought about, um, you know we've just gone through or um, probably still in a recession, we had the government shut down, and so people are being um, laid off their jobs, they're being downsized. Um, you know financial issues are real problem for people. And then also yeah. at the same time we have a much more educated congregation if you will now than we did right. in the, you know in our parents time and our grandparents time and so you know I one thing that I feel like we have to be real but we also have to be relevant to the people.
0: Yeah.
3: Um and so when we come to the pulpit when we come to minister to people on the street we have to um you know come with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand so that yeah. we can, you know, encourage them where they are. God is a God that is so gracious and so kind, and so he wants to reach us where we are. And so people have found themselves and ourselves in situations where, you know, the we're living paycheck to paycheck, and so it's incumbent upon us when the Lord blesses us to be able to give a little bit that we sow seed also into um, – you know, fertile ground. And so we are able to go beyond the four walls of the church and to minister. One thing that I love about my church, Reed Temple, you know, people a lot of times are fearful to to come and visit because they say, oh, you know, I feel like I'll get lost at such a big church. But I found that if you go in, you know, it's just about making a connection or joining a ministry, doing something, stepping outside of ourselves and looking to where we can bless Somebody else, and so God will then open up doors and avenues, and we are able to meet other people, and we're able to fulfill the purpose. Because you know, I'm reminded of Matthew, I think it's 25 and 40, where you know he said, "When you, when, when, when were, was I hungry and you fed me? And when was I yeah. thirsty and you gave me drink? When was I naked and you clothed me? If you've done it to these, least, least of these, then you've done it to me." And so that's one of the things we have to be good. Um, stewards of what the Lord has blessed us with. And with that, we're able to sow seed into fertile ground. And from that, the Lord is able to bless. One thing about Reed Temple is that this past um, August, we were able to give over $153,000 in college scholarships, you know, to graduating students. And, you know, for some people, that's a huge deal. I know, you know, for me, and it may be, you know, $10,000 scholarship or or as low as, you know, book scholarship, which, you know, Mike, as you know, in college, you're struggling, you know, so this little gift is a tremendous blessing. And so I think that that financial resources is definitely one thing that's that's needed within the Reed Temple and the larger church so we can be a blessing to people outside of the walls of the, the church.
1: Yeah, before I turn you loose on this, Pastor McCoy, uh, Reverend Thomas, I'm glad you mentioned about mm-hmm. some of the outreach, and you said meeting people on the street. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really the New Testament model of church. You know, it come is. in, get fed, and then go mm-hmm. out and serve. And sometimes I think we relegate service to clergymen, but I think all of us have 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 giftings and talents that, that God is expecting us uh, to move out on. So I'm glad you talked about moving outside the four walls. And Pastor McCoy, you can jump in there.
0: Well, you know, not only must we move outside of the four walls, but I think that, you know, we are our brothers and sisters keepers. And off time we just want to limit it to inside of the building. But I've always been a believer, as my great-grandmother used to say, you know, how do you treat your neighbor? You know, Mm. do you speak to the person that doesn't come to church with you on Sunday? Mm -hmm. Do you have a a howdy howdy for those that don't sit in church with you on Sunday? I, I remember Billy Graham once wrote, becoming a Christian is the work of a moment, but being a Christian is the work of a lifetime. How are you spending your life? Mm-hmm. You know, these things are just, they're important today because, you know, everyone needs to know, whether they're sitting in church, in the supermarket, at the, at the hardware store, or even out picking out Christmas trees in this season, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's sons, cleanses us all from sin.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 People
0: just need to know that love does cover a multitude of sins. And, and and I think when John wrote that, he wrote it because he wanted everyone to know, no matter where you come, what you walk, what you've done in life, there's nothing that the blood of Jesus will not cover. And the good news is he has no respect to person. So be it large or small regardless of what your background and or your history is, the good news is that Jesus loves you just as you are. And I think mm-hmm. that is the message that the church today has to just stand on, if we don't stand on anything else, that Jesus is love. And there's no, there's no diagram, there's no, there's no makeup, there's no resume that it comes with. It's just his love. And it was God's love that sent his son for us, and that's the good news of today.
1: And what a perfect segue as we move into this this Christmas season. You talk about, you know, the meaning of Christmas, Christ, and and God is love. And I always say, you know, God loves us enough to meet us where we are, and he cares too much for us to stay there. And and that's when you talk about ministry. It's meeting people's needs, meeting them right where Mm -hmm. they are. Reverend Thomas... um, when you think about the Christmas season, and let's face it, for a lot of people, um, this is a very depressing time. Right. What would you say to those who might not be that giddy as we, pro- as we approach this Christmas season? Just tell us a little bit about what this season means to you.
3: Yeah, I think just as um, uh, you said at the intro, it is all about love and sharing the love of Christ. Um, You know, letting our light so shine that others may see our good works and glorify God in heaven. And so certainly I I can relate to people that um, are struggling during this Christmas season. I actually have a very good friend of mine who lost her son right before Christmas last year to cancer. You know, a 21-year-old who had been struggling with it for about five years. And so one thing that um, when we were sharing um, just in her loss and her grief, she came up with this wonderful idea of of doing a toy drop. For kids, for chi- for for children, for toys, and so it's in the name of her son um, that she is doing this um, wonderful, wonderful thing and so because of her loss she was actually able to turn it around into a positive and be a blessing to someone else. So that's one thing that I thought about that we can take on some other um, group and be support and then also I would tell people not to isolate themselves you know to fill your life with with family and friends and people that will just love on you and that can understand where you are, that place of, of hurt and healing but can also try to help lift you up out of that and certainly Mike there are um, several ministries and Retemple temple through our restoration center um, has several programs through during the Christmas season, especially in December. And one thing is Blue Christmas, where we mm-hmm. have a clinical psychologist to come in and to give you some practical skills and strategies to help you deal with, um, you know, stress and depression and stuff that may come during the holiday season. So, um, And certainly just to stay in the Word of God, you know, David said that he had to encourage himself. And so we've got to stay connected and make a conscious effort to stay connected to the God of our salvation you know continue to to try to get into his presence and to pray and ask him to help us to come up out of that depression because we know that that's not his will for our lives but we're living in a real you know these are real issues that people are dealing with
1: yeah pastor mccoy you want to piggyback on that as far as um, meaning of christmas for you and what god is saying to you about it
0: i think for me um As I shared with our congregation last Sunday, are you ready for the king? You need to just know that Jesus is the king, not just of the season, but he is the king of your life. He doesn't just come as we celebrate his birth annually at Christmas, but we just need to take a backseat and let him become king in all things. You know, and I think in order for for people to understand that he is king. You know, we have to do like Martin Luther King says. You know, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Right. You know, you've got to be willing, you know, to just trust God in that, no matter the circumstance of the situation, knowing that his blood was shared for you. And that's what this Christmas says to me. Again, it takes it back to the cross that God's love was so great that he sent his son. And, he, and, you know, the interesting thing, Sister Tish, uh, Reverend Tish was talking about, you know, the death situation of, of, of her close friend. We lost so many people last season. Uh, right before Thanksgiving, I had to go to Seattle and, and do a memorial service for a, a neighbor that lost their loved one. And, you know, one of my concerns is, is that we just got to come out of the box. We've got to remember that everyone has not always been churched that there are those that just don't understand why things happen the way they do. We just buried a family member a week ago, and it's right. it was the, you know, right before Thanksgiving, right before the Christmas holiday. And, and one may say, how do, we, how do we give thanks when we lose a loved one? How do we you know, celebrate mm-hmm. Christmas when we can't even keep a roof over our head? We're living at a shelter. These are yeah. real issues that people are dealing with. Um, the debt, not just laws, but the insecurity of an unstable economy, you know, that has them in the cold for whatever reason. That does not allow them. Where you've got single mothers and single fathers that have children, and they just can't provide what they want to provide That's for right. their families. That's right. You know, I think we have to we have to roll back our sleeves in the church a little bit more and stop waiting for folk to come into church to do the healing, but I think the church has to go out into the community and not wait for them to come in and sign up for the various programs that we offer or that even the local communities in offers and just be available, Mike. I think you're just available. It doesn't matter where you are. I saw an act of kindness the other day. I was just in the store, not trying to do any Christmas shopping. I was waiting on my daughter to pick her up. And this little kid was just looking through the window, just glazing at the toys and the decoration. And from nowhere, this stranger just picked up a couple packages and paid for it and asked the salesman to take it out to the little kid. What a joy.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. and, you know, are- I'm,
1: you, you guys, you're, you're really ministering, and it's something that, you know, I, I think really needs to be heard. Here's one of my concerns, and that yeah. is, you know, um, if we're not careful, and, and if you think about that New Testament church, I keep going back to what these individuals did, men and women. Um, a handful mm-hmm. were left after Christ went back, uh, went back to heaven, and they literally beat the pavement and turned this world upside down. They were out, moving, spreading the gospel. And one of my concerns is is that, you know, if the church doesn't stand up and move out and meet people where we are, then, then in many ways we're going to become a social club, you know, that where we, we, we have a lot of the church in ease language and we have a lot of the quotes, but real ministry is meeting people where they are. So I'm just so excited about what you all are sharing and how we can make a tangible impact in the lives of people.
3: And, Mike, you know what, if I could just add one other thought when you're talking about the the struggles that the church is also facing. I thought about, um, you know, youth ministry and, of course, in the black community, the incarceration rate that we have. And so now we have these churches that are full of women, and we bless the Lord for women, but we also want the men. You know, we need yes. we need our brothers there. And so Absolutely. I thought about um, being – talking about being relevant, the importance of having um, strong children's ministries and youth ministries within our churches so that we can train them up in the way that they should go and so that we don't lose them to the street. We don't lose them to the hip-hop um, culture. Um, and I think all of that stuff is going to play a larger part as we continue to move forward. And I know um, Pastor McCoy is in starting her church, and she's been very deliberate in youth ministry and in children's ministry, right. and bringing them in, and, and just realizing we have to make them relevant. We have to make them a part of what's going on um, now. Like we, a lot of times we'll hear people say that they are our future, but indeed they are the now. That's
1: right. Exactly. And, and you know. And, Pastor McCoy, I want you to talk a little bit about youth ministry. And, and earlier I said, you know, my concern is, and I was very careful as I chose that word, it's a concern because I think it's something we need to deal with. But it's not mm-hmm. a fear for me because, the, you know, the word is right. Uh, when he's, when, when, as the word talks about how, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church mm-hmm. is going to be successful. I mean, mean, Mm -hmm. it it is the most powerful institution in many ways because, you know, we're going to be around when, when, when governments might fail or might not meet people's needs. It's the church oftentimes that gets in there. The church was able to get in there when Katrina, you know, hit. So, and I tell people all the time, you know, they run into me and say, well, you know, Mike, I don't think church is for me. You know, I I don't know that I'll fit in. You know, I don't have the right clothes or I might not have the right look. Mm. You know, I don't know when to stand, when you're supposed to stand. And I said, you know, and and what I try (laughs) to encourage people to say, you know, um, in many ways the church, we've earned a black eye. Yes, we've dropped the ball in many ways, and that's because we're people. We're imperfect. So don't judge every church based upon, you know, some of the mistakes that people make in it. Go anyway get fed and and i know you're you're big on that at your church talk a little bit about that and and allowing room for people to grow in church well let me
0: just say that it's it's interesting that you say that because you know i come from traditional uh baptist church and you know we've i've never been inside of a congregation that's been inside of maybe two thousand people on up to 10 but what i will tell you is is that this this journey that God has given me, this new phase of my life and past in pastoring a church, I will tell you that 75% of my membership have never been churched. Wow. And in that it hasn't, that has been fascinating from the first day. I don't I don't have members that understand that there should be an usher at the door. I don't have members that are looking for a program to follow it line by line. And understand me, I like the order, and, and, and I'm always missing home. I'm always homesick. But what right. I will tell you is I have just been blessed by the opportunity to witness those that have never been church and all the gifts and treasures that they have within them. We don't know because we've been so um fashioned and custom to doing things the same way, you know, when I – was able to wear a pair of jeans to a worship service and preach in them, it was life-changing for me. It, mm-hmm. was, it was releasing for me and for my community. It was, okay, Sister Joanne, not Reverend Doctor Somebody, but Sister Joanne, great message today. You know, right. And I think that because our community is so diverse, we've got to come out of the box, and we've got to stop putting Jesus in the box, and we've got wow. to use the mediums that are available to, us. The Bible says in the Great Commission, go into all the world. Mm
3: -hmm. How are you going to
0: go into all the world if you're stuck in a traditional stereotype that does not allow people to reach you? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the question
0: becomes, are you serious about your calling? And if you're serious about your calling, are you willing to lay down your traditions and your reservations of what we believe church is supposed to be to allowing God to open up all of the doors and let all of the things and the gifts and the individuals blossom with you. See, I think we grow as a people. Mm-hmm. I think we walk as a people. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. To, you know, in one of, the, one of the pictures that I was looking at and preparing for today, looking back over the history of our church for just a short year, I have a young lady that's seven years old that was never churched before she came to my church, and she was praying. It wasn't prepared. It wasn't planned. She was just in the chairs praying. And the beauty of it for me was is it's not planned. It's not programmed. So you may have to change the order of your service if it means that you're going to reach God's people. You know, it may mean that instead of going through the the normal routine of Sunday school, which we have Sunday school as well, it may mean sharing and allowing the young people. Because one of the things I believe, where you have a church where no babies are crying and no young people are talking to each other, (laughs) you have a church that is literally dying. And if you're not willing to train the children, the Word of God says train them up in the way that they should go. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, you know, keep the order as it was in the old day. Each day, the Bible says, be renewed. Your mind is to mm-hmm. be renewed. So these gifts, Mike, um, and, and, and Reverend Tish, of sharing and working with the youth is going to make a difference because they talk to their friends. They're on every social media. As a matter of fact, they know it better than we do. Mm-hmm. And they share with mm-hmm. their friends. And if they can get an enlightening experience, experience and you allow them to come in, and I'm not saying take away the order of the church. What I'm saying is respect the church, but in that we respect the church, allow them to come in with the freshness because, believe me, you will be blessed. Absolutely. I mean, kids are talking about now coming together and putting together a youth blog for Christian children. You know, that's exciting, Mike.
1: Absolutely. Go ahead, uh, Reverend Thomas.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to add, and it, it really
3: is about uh, thinking outside the box, and that's one of the things that we've been trying to do in the ministry that I'm uh, most recently involved in is the Read Temple Live Network. And so we have a, the 7.15 service and 11.15 a.m. services on Sundays that are being live broadcast. And one thing that has just been so interesting, and we're trying to bridge the gap between what's happening in the sanctuary and what's happening with the online worshipers, because there there is a segment that um, you know will not or at least to this point would not consider um, stepping into a church it may be that you've been ministering to somebody or just sharing with them at your office or at the gym and you you know give them the the website to where your church is being webcast live and so we had that experience where there was a lady who one of her coworkers in the military told her about the read temple website and so she's been blogging uh, on and, and worshiping with us, and so she made a decision for Christ. Because at the end of the service, even though you know Pastor Washington opens the doors of the church, we like to then um, cut in and give a personal um, invitation to people, just to make it you know more real live for them. And so this lady actually ended up joining. And so part of the process is that during you know within 48 hours, somebody would contact her. And so I ended up calling her, and as it turns out, she was full-time military. She lives in the state of Texas, and she's a Caucasian lady. And so she accepted Jesus Christ, and she joined an African Methodist
0: Episcopal Church. Now,
3: you can't tell me that's
0: not a move of God. And not Not only is that a move of God, if I can add to that, uh, Reverend Thomas, if you remember, my vision was three years ago for Internet Church. And one of the things, Mike, that we were looking at in that model of Internet Church is providing an opportunity for those that just can't become conducive to the traditional schedules of church to still receive the Lord Jesus. Right. And so that is, that is the catalyst in which we must now start taking a real approach to. You know, one of the things I loved about our church at Mount Zion was is the fact that, that that early, that enlightened service, you know, because of our economic situations, we can no longer do the normal traditional 11 o'clock.
2: You know, Mm. so how
0: do we look outside of that box? Even for me as a pastor, you know, and it's good for pastors to sit at the feet of other people and glean some gifts from it because it gives you the strength. You want to stop the suicide rate, get out the pulpit sometime, and just sit and start becoming a sponge because it's those drops from the sponge that give you the strength to keep moving forward. And so for me, when I can go on at 6 o'clock or if I can go on at 8 o'clock and I can stream in do you know what that does for me imagine the the emergency relief right now we're dealing with inclement weather there are Mm -hmm. hospitals there are nurses there are doctors that can't get to a church but to have a blog radio the brown bag to have you know an early morning worship service that they can tune into right where they are it does Mm -hmm. make the difference
1: You know, and it's so key that you mention that. Um, And I do want to allow both of you, you know, a few minutes just to share however much God has placed on your heart in an uninterrupted time. But there is one one question I've got to ask each of you uh, being uh, women ministers. And tell me what it's been like for you. I I know even historically, um, even in the church, uh, there's been issues based around, you know, women preachers, and oftentimes the ministry has been seen as an, as an all-boys club, uh, and I know that's changing dramatically. <laughs> um, you guys just, obviously, because, you know, and I'm proud to say, uh, our first two uh, ministers that we have on it's you guys, and I'm proud to be able to say that. I see all the great things that God is doing, you know, through, um, through, through women ministers. Tell me a little bit about that. What's been your experience? Well,
3: Mike, I would say, um, actually, again, I'm from South Carolina, and um, my grandmother, uh, who just passed away actually the beginning part of this year, her sister, her big sister is 95 years old, and she was the first ordained minister um, at her Baptist church in South Carolina. Now, how many years ago that was? I I can't even really tell you, but as long as I can remember, she has been um, an ordained minister. Um, And so then when I moved here to um, the Washington metropolitan area, I initially joined a Baptist church in Maryland, and the pastor did not believe in women preachers. Um, and so I, I didn't really struggle with that because at the time, you know, the Lord had not called me to preach anyway. So that, it really was not an issue for me. And then once I moved to Reed Temple, um, you know, of course, in Methodism, we've always been open to women ministers. And so, and, you know, my parents have always taught that, um, you know, whatever it is that the Lord has called you to do, he will open doors. You know, we, I don't have to go through kicking kicking doors down. I don't have to act like a man i don't have to try to preach like a man i just have to rest in who god has called me to be and the gifts and the callings that he's given me and that he will he would open doors you know and so it hasn't been um i would say a struggle for me we also have um the board of examiners which is a five-year process that we go through in addition to you know all of the the masters of divinity that you have to do. And so there I, I was able to see women preachers, women pastors, you know, Vashti McKenzie is the first bishop of African Methodist Episcopal Church. And so, you know, I've had um, women ahead of me that were the forebearers. And so for me, it's never been an issue. Of course, you know, there are still lots of Pastors and preachers that don't believe in women preachers, but, you know, I feel like if God could use a donkey in the Old Testament, certainly he can use women to um, proclaim his gospel, and it's all about him and getting the word forward, and so he can certainly use anybody or any venue to get his gospel out there.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, mine, Mike, I have to tell you, was a bit different. Um, uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, uh, right. traditionalism has it, to be honest with you, I didn't even understand women preachers. Um, but wow. I have to tell you, um, I was fascinated by the woman at the well and, and how mm-hmm. Jesus uh, healed her. And then he told her to go. And I remember as a teenager saying to myself, what is he doing telling her to go? How are they going to take her? And mm-hmm. then I was just, my life was so changed when I started reading about Sojourner Truth and and, and how mm-hmm. she spoke out. And I'm saying, God, that woman was awesome. And then more relevant for me, one of my mentors, Dr. Rita Twiggs, you know, Dr. Twiggs became a a preacher in this community in the D.C. metro area when it was just not fashionable, and she stood and she cried aloud. Um, and it made the difference because I felt lost for a long time trying to find my identity as a female, and who would want to hear me? But I will tell you that it was mm-hmm. with my pastor 's heart, uh, Dr. Leonard Smith, he quite frankly looked me in the face, and he says, "Well, let me just tell you honey i don 't you know there's some men that i don 't believe in pastors, so if God calls you, <laughs> who am I to say, you know so I have to tell you that." it has allowed me to live in my skin and in the gift that God has given. And as you visited um, a a month or so ago with us and you were sharing with me the growth that you have seen, it's trusting God, stepping Mm -hmm. out on faith, knowing that he will develop you into that pastor, that preacher, that servant leader that he has called you to. And when you begin... (coughs) excuse me, to live in your own skin and recognize who you are. I am a preacher. I am a preacher that God has anointed. I don't have to preach like someone else. I was made a woman preacher. God knew what I was going to be before I knew. He accepted me before I even accepted me. And in that he did, it's well with my soul. So I don't have to look, walk, talk, nor do I have a desire to. As a matter of fact, I love the femininity that he has given me. Oh it, yeah. makes me it makes me who I am. However, I think we need to be cautious as mm-hmm. women that, that we don't, allow our femininity to interfere with that that the holy spirit is designed to do because when we get before the congregation they don't need to see a man or a woman they need to see god in his glory
1: that's powerful that's powerful
3: i agree uh, you know I- there, if i can add mike there was a discussion that i posted on facebook i think earlier this year and the question was um you know is it okay for women preachers to wear skinny jeans <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I love it. As you can
3: imagine, there was a lot of interesting, smoke. and so I think the conclusion was that, you know, in modesty, certainly you can do that with a, a longer top, um, but we don't want to see the skinny jeans in the pulpit. Amen.
0: Well, right. <laughs> particularly now, if the skinny jeans causes the curves to move in a way that is distracting, you know,
3: we
1: don't right. want to have that. We want to focus on Jesus, right? right. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. right.
0: right. <laughs>
1: That's great, though I love it, and 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 I'm glad that we can, you know, poke fun at it because it shows, you know, um, the humanity of it that we all are, you know, in our own processes of of growing and improving. I, I do want to allow um, each of you some time to just share from your heart, um, Pastor McCoy. Just what is God saying to you?
0: What the what God is saying to me is. Uh... 1 Corinthians 12:14 The body is not one member but many. And in that it is in many, we have work to do. We have a job to do, and it is the season for us to step out and walk out into that which he has called us to do, and as Nelson Mandela in the legacy that he gave us, we cannot be afraid. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift of God, which is why we call it the present. And every time I look at Bill Kern's statement, I get excited. I'm not afraid, but I'm excited. And the peace that I have down in my heart is knowing that it's just not one. It doesn't matter what your denomination is. It really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. What God is looking for is his people. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves. See, I think we've gotten so far into trying to become important that we forgot the person that we're supposed to be important to. Mm. He said he'll hear from us when we do as he has asked us to do. I believe that the instruction has been given in the 66 books of the Bible. He has Mm -hmm. given us the instruction. And it's our responsibility to take that instruction and not just take the instruction, but do what we can to live by his instruction, and then rest on the promises that he's coming back for us. So as I say to you in closing for me today, we need to get ready for the coming of the king, because he sure enough is coming. And the season and the times that we are dealing with today is very evident that he's coming. The question is, are we ready? And what are we as preachers and ministers of the gospel and pastors, what are we doing to help make the people ready for the coming of the King? Thank you so how- much for allowing me to share.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Reverend Thomas, just wanted to allow you a few minutes, uh, uninterrupted time, to just share what God is saying to you and how you'd like to share that to our listeners during this season.
3: Thank you, Mike. I think for me, uh, Romans eight and twenty eight, which is a very familiar scripture, all things work together for good for them that love the Lord, and are the called according to His purpose. And and mine is just a word of encouragement. Um, not many people know uh, the other part of my testimony is that March thirty first of next year will be two years that I had a heart attack. Um, and so. Oh my goodness. You know, two two steps away from death, but the Lord wow. had a plan and the Lord had a purpose for my life. And so um, I just want to encourage that mother or that father that may be listening, that's struggling with whatever it is. It may be a calling to ministry. It may be to something else in their life, and you don't see how in the world – you can make it work. And I remember a time not long ago when, you know, again, I was a full-time mom, graduate student, working full-time, doing the board of examiners, serving in ministry, and that it does take a village to raise a child, and it does take a village for us to walk in the purpose that God has for us. And the key to doing it all is uh, just to seek the face of God, asking him to lead God and direct us down the path that we should go. And so I just want to encourage them that to let them know that God will also send a support system. And so certainly Pastor Joanne McCoy has been that to me. She's been my big sister, a mentor in ministry to me. And, and have I always gotten it right along this path? Absolutely not. You know, that I make mistakes and make bad decisions along the way? Right. No doubt about it. But... Because of who God is, we can be all that he has called us to be in spite of ourselves. And that is the beauty and the grace, um, you know, I believe in the mercy that God has given to us if we are true to who he has called us to be and true to our desires um, and his will for our lives. He will turn bad situations around for our good, not just some things, but all things. And then we can look to the day uh, and, and, and know that whatever the issues, whatever the vicissitudes of life are, trust that God's got it, that he's in control and he, you know, we hear people say a lot of times that he didn't bring, he brought you to it to take you through it and we didn't come this far just to say that he has a perfect plan for our lives and so if we just keep our hand in his hand, continue to walk and to continue to be humble, to humble ourselves and to love God and to love people that all things are going to work out. We're going to go through bad situations, we're going to have you know, the downsides, we're going to have the mountaintops but also the valley Is low, but um, in all things, he's working it together for our good. According, we're called according to his purpose, and so I just want to encourage somebody to just run on and see what the end is going to be, (laughs) because I truly believe the best is yet to come.
1: Awesome, awesome. Hey, I, I know I've been ministered to today. I thank both of you for being on and for sharing. Uh, your gifts, your talents, and what God is saying to you—I I tell you, you both are a blessing, and we expect even bigger things from you.
3: Praise God! Praise God! Thank you so much, Mike. It's been—it's been a blessing and a joy.
0: Not only has it been a blessing and a joy of your family, and I call us uh, all a part of this family, and we're excited about what the Brown Bag is doing. Let me leave you with this. Today is the 14th of December, which means we've got from the 15th to the 31st to finish this year. And what I can say to you is, mm-hmm. Michael Brown, Reverend Thomas, and all the listeners out there today, that the rest of this year is going to be the best of the year. God Amen. bless you and thank you.
1: God bless you both. Thank both of you for being on. And um, I think you really empowered our audience, and I think you really empowered family. So thank you both.
3: Absolutely. Amen. God bless
0: you. Happy holidays,
1: please. Oh, Same to you. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.
1: <laughs> news alert. News alert. You have been called. That's right. You've been called, if you're a believer, to, to service. It's going to take a healthy spiritual diet. What's in your spiritual diet? Prayer? Praise? Meditation? Service? Remember, you are what you eat. Now let's get ready to serve. It's been great. And remember to love God, love people, and live on purpose. God bless you.